0: Welcome to the Side by Side, a podcast about black science fiction, fantasy, and staying on the same page in this marriage. I'm one of your incredible co hosts, Amber Wallen. And I'm Ben. Are you having fun? Where are we currently? Why don't you tell our fans?
1: We are inside your parents' closet.
0: Did you ever think you would be inside of my parents' closet?
1: Is that a dildo? No, just kidding.
0: I'm not cutting that out. Hey, everyone at home. Welcome to episode 28 of the Sci-Fi Side. Today, we're going to be covering Black Lightning season two. Like I said, we love Black Lightning so much on season one. You can catch season one's episode. It's episode 22 of the Sci-Fi Side. But we had to, had to, had to come back and talk about Black Lightning season two. And there are going to be some spoilers.
1: Yep. Everything will be spoiled for you.
0: Ben, I think I finally understand what a spoiler is. Because I used to think a spoiler was like, don't spoil this because it just came out and people might see it soon. So give people some time to see it soon.
1: No, spoiled could be spoiled within anything. You know, if no no one's ever seen the Titanic, which is your all-time favorite movie, you shouldn't spoil it and say Jack dies at the end. By the way, spoiler warning for Titanic, if you haven't seen it.
0: Yeah, I truly thought that spoiling something was relevant to the time it came out. So... The more you know.
1: Especially in the science fiction fantasy community, you really need to be giving spoiler warnings. And that's gotten you into trouble a few times because I think you are pretty cavalier about things. Like you'll watch TV over and over and over the same thing. So nothing can really be spoiled for you. But for people who love to have a surprise, spoiler warnings are really important. You're very ignorant about certain nerd culture. Excuse me? Which is why we have this podcast. I'm here to train you and teach you. Moving on. So let's go into the CW shows that are like very beefy shows. There's 16 episodes in season two of Black Lightning. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking, why can't we do long shows anymore?
0: Because our attention span, right? Like 16 16 episodes is a lot. And I know as we were watching it, I mean, we love the show, but there were definitely some times I was like, okay, now that could have been cut we typically don't even post a video unless it's like 30 seconds or less because those one minutes are just too long, which is insane to think of like a one minute video being too long.
1: I was also looking at when the air date of each episode was and there is like a month in between each one. I can't wait for network television to release things serially anymore. I need it to be binged. And binging, though, is not about having a short attention span. Actually, if you binge, it means you have a longer attention span. So I was actually thinking of it having to do with patience. Like, we are impatient. We want to know everything right away. And so 16 episodes, to get to the end of 16 episodes, takes a long time. And there's just so much filler inside these kinds of CW shows. So that's what I was leaning towards. What do you think about that?
0: When they made the decision to draw it out that long, you sort of, any show, not just Black Lightning season two, sometimes you risk us forgetting about what happened so early in the season. Okay, well, you want to build our patience and build our tolerance for things, but I remember at one point, you stopped me at the end of the season, maybe around episode 16, you're like, oh my God, do you remember him from like episode seven? I was like, no. When your audience doesn't remember seeing somebody like eight or seven episodes back, like that's kind of not ideal. What was the first show you ever binged that you can really remember? Lost.
1: Lost. Really? I couldn't get into it. Mm -hmm.
0: How many episodes was it about? Like 10?
1: I think you're a little impatient. No, that's network television. So network television, these bigger sort of ABC, CW... Uh, NBC, they have really long seasons. That's sort of the thing about those kinds of networks, those public networks. They just produce longer seasons. Maybe they have more money. I don't know. Comparatively, where Game of Thrones, you get 10 episodes or 8. But yeah, Lost. I binge Lost ridiculously. It was one of the most incredible shows I ever watched. What did you binge?
0: I binged Orange is the New Black. I remember vividly that sort of being one of the earlier shows on Netflix that that would drop the whole season do you prefer binging or do you prefer like watching it waiting week to week like we do with RuPaul's Drag Race which I love
1: I hate that I am
0: <laughs> you in- hate RuPaul's Drag Race I know I, I didn't I, say it
1: y'all I love RuPaul's Drag Race I hate waiting so
0: so who's impatient
1: it's, it's a you? mixture of both it is I am I guess I am inpaint- impatient doesn't mean that I have a short attention span and in fact i can sit and watch a whole long show or sit and read a whole long book but i want to get to the end of that book sooner let's actually jump into first impressions my first impression was that every time this show gets a little boring they throw some wacko weird shit into the mix whether it is like growing bodies from like leftover possum roadkill to someone's spine getting ripped out of their back mm. to uh, little things I didn't notice before. For example, the fight scenes you were telling me has this like funkadelic bop to it. So that was sort of my first impression is that I get, I would get bored. But then as soon as I got bored or I felt there was a lull, they threw in some wacko weird shit that I just fell in love with. What about you?
0: My first impression was that the characters were a lot stronger this season especially as far as villains go um and we'll get into some of the characters that we met this season but a couple that stick out in my mind is uh Cutter she's just like a bad bitch assassin she was great we also got to see more of Grace's storyline who turns out who is uh Anissa's love interest but also turns out to be a meta and Agent Odell who is a whole I mean obviously a character actor His characterization was really strong, and I I thought they did a great job this season finding some powerful actors or even Principal Lowry. When things got slow and sort of lull and predictable, they found a way to position those villains to make you just like seethe when, when you saw them on screen. So I thought that was great.
1: Yeah, Bill Duke was a huge standout. For us. If you haven't seen Bill Duke, you probably have. If you've seen Predator, he's in there. But you kept on describing him as a Muppet. Yeah. Which I felt was very disrespectful to can, ex- can you explain why you kept on calling Agent Odell a Muppet?
0: There was something so stiff and emotionless about him in the way that a Muppet would talk. It was just like like when a ventriloquist dummy, like just their mouth their bottom jaw moves up and down. Like he sort of had that energy to him. And his and his hands it was as as if his hands were sewed to his pants. So everything that he did... I know, but I feel like this is giving people an image of of what he is. So his hands were all... He was always in the same outfit, which Muppets don't really change clothes a lot. And his lower jaw only moved. And everything he said was in monotone. So there was something very, like, inanimate and robotic about his character.
1: I do want to point out, though, that what you just said are fighting words. The idea that Muppets don't show emotion. A lot of people who love the Muppets will argue that Muppets will probably show more emotion than Agent Odell. So be, just be well, aware of that. I,
0: I will be aware of that. I should say puppet because Muppet is a specific puppet, but it's like, hand me a Kleenex. It's like it's not a Kleenex, but Kleenex is one brand. So that that's what I just did. But he is puppet-like in that way.
1: That makes more sense. That's more acceptable. We don't want to get attacked out here because you're are you trying to get dragged on TikTok? because i can take it i got it (laughs)
0: the the way
1: the season two is structured is that each set of episodes anywhere between three to four is called a book and so we're gonna break down each book together and i'll give you a summary and we'll go into it from there so the first book is called the book of consequences And this book opens with Jennifer is learning how to control her powers that are by far incredibly powerful. And she is getting support from this metahuman therapist called Perenna. Mm. And uh, Black Lightning and Thunder are sort of beefing on how to support Freeland. So Thunder gets this alter ego called Blackbird, who can do more of the
0: vigilante vigilante Robin
1: Robin Hood type of things. And then finally, we're introduced to Principal Lowry, uh, a.k.a. Master Lowry, who has taken over the school, Garfield High, because Jefferson Pierce was being blamed for the shooting of the school when Khalil um, Painkiller came in and poison darted everybody. And so Jefferson Pierce is demoted to teacher instead of principal, And then finally, like you said, we're introduced to this guy, Agent Odell. Sort of the true ASA comes in after the ASA rogue agent from the last season was killed. And Dr. Lin is sort of taking over uh, that part of the ASA and helping the green light babies who are in pods. So, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about Perenna because you actually mentioned Perenna being one of the characters you felt a connection with because of... Living Single. Living single, single. And then also you said that Perenna reminded you a little bit of a family member. Isn't that correct? The griot of the family?
0: Oh, yes. Oh, thank you for saying that. Okay. So Perenna is played by... I wish I knew her real name. We're going to find her real name in a second. But she plays Maxine on Living Single. And we've always seen her as a very, like, goofy... She's always been the comic relief in most sitcoms that she's been on so it was really refreshing to see Maxine Perenna in this griot mentor spiritual guide role and I thought a lot about uh, a family member who has since passed away there was a, a family member on my mom's side of the family who always used to tell stories and she used to tell them in this like very mystical magical way and all of those stories always had some sort of you know it was like a fable so some sort of moral to those stories so I felt Perenna really connected in that spiritual guide role. And and also Perenna did a really great job of just gaining Jennifer's trust. Like when Jennifer ran away and she could out where Jennifer was because in this book, Jennifer and Khalil had escaped together and Perenna still didn't tell her parents like where she was.
1: Yeah, Perenna is played by Erica Alexander. Right, right, right.
0: And something else that was so nice to see, because it just reaffirms for me, like how black this show is, is that she would teach Jennifer how to sort of escape, sort of like a, what, you know, you're the Star Wars person. What would you call where Yoda would train people or whatever? Would it be like a separate battle place or something? A safe space in their mind? Or you said it was like really derivative.
1: She is training Jennifer to clear her mind, that meditation. Yes, she did
0: that all in a beauty salon. Which is really nice because it a beauty salon is in so many ways a black woman's safe space. So I was just curious if there was a name for that when Jedi's are being trained or anything.
1: Yeah, they train at the Jedi Temple. But sort of the idea of getting rid of your anger. You know, when uh, the the Emperor says to Luke, Give in to your
0: anger! Who says that?
1: The Emperor to Luke. Oh. And, oh yes, yes. Return of the Jedi. Anyway.
0: I thought you were doing a Yoda voice, and I was like, that's no, not what he sounds like.
1: No, but there's this whole idea where Jennifer is being told to control her anger because eventually we learn that in the later books that something has very traumatic has happened to Jennifer. And so there's this duality happening between controlling your emotions and giving in to your emotions, mm. and that is very Star wars
0: Gotcha. Well, Perenna is teaching Jennifer how to control those emotions and power them up to do well. So, and she's doing that in a black beauty salon.
1: Yeah. And that black beauty salon is sort of this metaphysical realm that she's able to take people. She can sort of um, bring them into any sort of imaginary positioning. So uh, think of it in terms of, I have the ability to imagine That you, Amber, are in a freezing, cold, blistery desert. Tundra is also a desert. A lot of people think deserts just are hot, but actually deserts can be cold besides the fact. And so she can make that happen. So she brings Jennifer into the beauty salon as a safe place in which she can then train jennifer to control her incredible powers
0: if you had incredible powers that you were trying to learn how to control and stuff and wanted to do that in a really cool authentic safe space for you where would that be
1: like the safest space in all of the world probably a bookstore you know You know that, yeah. Which one?
0: Which one? Just be really specific.
1: Probably the one where we did uh, 57th Street Books in Hyde Park, where we did our photo shoot in uh, for our like marriage thing thing
0: engagement photos. Oh, they're called called engagement photos. Okay,
1: I forgot the name of it. But anyway, this bookstore is so cool because you walk down into it and they do lots of uh, book. Well, they did lots of book readings, and it just is cozy, you know, because you're almost underground in this bookstore. And the roof is very, very short. So you could reach up your hand if you're tall, and touch the roof, you know, if you're six foot. And it the books just smell so comforting. It's all the potential of knowledge that you can then consume that's better than any meal you could ever get at any Michelin star restaurant. I know, what, yeah, that, I no, know, let's I talk fighting words. I know what your place would be. It would be a Michelin star restaurant.
0: No, because I would want to save that for actual meals. You know what I would do? So years ago, we went on spring break. Me and some teachers at my school went on spring break in St. Croix. And at one point, we hiked to this. And you know, I hate hiking, but they told me, like, there's this really nice private beach at the end of this hike. So we did maybe like a one to two mile hike to this beach. And we sang Disney songs the whole way to the beach just to make the hike go a little bit faster. And we found this private beach that was so freaking incredible. We even like skinny dipped into the ocean together and it just felt like nobody in the world could touch us. I would do that. I would go back to that private beach in St. Croix to train to be a bad bitch.
1: That's really good for me to know because the two times we've gone hiking, it's ended with you angrily sobbing and hating me, literally.
0: Well, okay, Ben. Angrily sobbing.
1: So next time when we go hiking, we're going to sing Disney songs and that's what I should try.
0: Well, let's get, let's get into, since you wanted to take it there before we get into the second book, I, hiking with you is hard because hiking for you is your own experience and I'm just there. So you'll go several feet in front of me. You'll climb up things that I can't really get to accessibly because you're in your own world about it. So, and you have no, like you like to be off the grid. So when we see giant snakes and wild monkeys, you give zero fucks and I'm afraid. So why, so don't try to just tell people. I don't hate, I hate hiking because I'm like uh, a crybaby and don't like try hard. I did cry, but we've done some knee to chest hikes that I just was not mentally ready for that you were just running way ahead of me. And I was like, okay, well now I'm hiking on my own, which is never the goal. Whereas this group of people, we were like, nobody's left behind. We're all going to stick together. We'll slow down for each other. Let's sing songs. So they coddled me.
1: Did you ever lose me in your sight when we went hiking? Of
0: course, I've lost you in your my sight several times.
1: Oh, that's unacceptable.
0: Yeah, it's not acceptable. Yes, I apologize. From the dunes to that happened at the dunes. Uh, we've done hiking in Kentucky. We've done hiking in Thailand, and you would just disappear into some bushes. Like if I stop to tie my shoe and look up, you're gone.
1: Oh, that's right. We've actually gone three times, and the one in we've Kentucky, we've multiple times. The one in Kentucky, you didn't cry or get upset. No. Okay. I do want to talk about Master Lowry because there's this white dude who comes in to become the principal and he puts metal detectors in and he is like, you know, zero tolerance types policies. And that's sort of uh, I'm glad they address that this idea of a white person taking over a school. It's because I have worked for schools where the leadership or board members are all white and the people making the biggest decisions aren't actual members from the community. And I'm really glad they touched on that. And the title of the chapter is called Master Lowry instead of Principal Lowry. And I thought that they were just taking it there. I thought that was a good point. I don't know. You've worked Mm -hmm. for organizations that pretend to be woke or they're servicing people of color. So, yeah. What are your thoughts about that?
0: I think it's you'd be hard pressed to find a system that didn't operate in that way, to be honest. Like I've worked at schools with black principals, but all of those rules were still coming from white normative culture and white board members. Like all of the schools were named after white politicians in the city and their rules came from them or like the students. So I know the the school that I worked at specifically, the owner of that school is, you know, an entrepreneur of a clothing company. So all of the kids uniforms had to be bought via that clothing company. And all of the rules and regulations were just very like, this isn't professional. That is isn't professional. Do this to your hair. If, if socks have logos on them, they're unprofessional or where it's just like, I've seen white dudes wearing paisley socks. Like these, these rules are not, somebody made these rules up and we're just enforcing them. And I have enforced those rules when they shouldn't have been enforced. So it's that it was triggered, triggering for me in a different way because it's like, oh, I've been the enforcer of these rules and I didn't even believe them and was still enforcing them and trying to abide by them myself as well because it's like you can't tell a kid hey it's unprofessional to chew gum and you're chewing gum as well so it's it's interesting how it sort of gets into your psyche in that way. You
1: know one of the sighs that you know will end with a bunch of other sighs but for this particular situation a big sigh I had was the fact that Jefferson Pierce decides to stay on as a teacher after being a principal I was like man you're taking a huge like salary cut like you have a whole house to pay with. I was sort of confused by that. I can't imagine anybody losing a principal's, at least losing their job and like going back to being a teacher.
0: I know, but I think it totally plays into Jefferson's character because he's always like taking the high road and he loves the kids so much. So he still wanted to stay like I'm and maybe like a part of his ego is like well I need to be here for these kids to watch after them I'll take any position I need to because I love these kids a lot so I think that's why he took it obviously he didn't want to be a teacher but he's like I still want to make sure my daughter is going to a school that cares about her
1: yeah to that so po- most of it was nosy yeah to that point I started to realize how sort of shitty Jefferson Pierce was after th- yeah yeah he's not the greatest dude like For example, he has this rule of not killing, but he'll break their arms. And I started to really see him as a more violent type of person, you know, even uh, his mentor Gamby. Where the last episode of the last season, he shoots and kills somebody. And in this season, we, you know, we see him bringing up the, the body count. And to that point, let's, yeah, move up to the the next book, the Book of Blood. In this book, it starts with Gamby being killed. He's sort of shot and his van explodes. And- so...
0: So to recap, the book one was the Book of Consequences. Now this is the Book of Blood.
1: Yes, this is moving to the Book of Blood where Gambia is killed and Dr. Lynn, who's working for the ASA, is brought in some help of Dr. Jace, who was this awful, like, mad scientist type of character. And she ends up using her knowledge to awaken some of the green light babies, Uh, Or green light children, they're not green light babies, but they're green light children. And when she wakens them, she ends up killing 14 of these children. And it's a really intense scene where you have Dr. Lin on one side and Dr. Jace on this other side who are trying to work together to study these children and bring them back but they do it in very different means. That's
0: why I sort of disagree with you when you say, like, Jefferson, we saw him become an asshole this season. I think in a lot of ways, we saw all of the characters level up their anger and develop differently because Lynn Stewart, I mean, a doctor is a powerful role, obviously, but she sort of went from like the tail end of season one we saw her like pick up a gun shyly and do some damage but in this season she's punching bitches she's got her her gun cocked she's going to bed every night with a a cocktail because it's hard out here for a pimp like everybody sort of had a, a moment this season where they they went from like anger to rage and we definitely saw that transformation with Dr. Lynn Stewart because she takes her work so seriously. And when she had to work with this white lady, Dr. Jace, who is essentially the Master Lowry of the ASA tank, like not, not in a leadership way, but just trying to do things because like this is the way things need to be done. They're very like government organized. And so we just saw like all of the parallels we saw with Jefferson and Mr. Lowry, we we saw with Lynn and Dr. Jace.
1: Yeah, Lynn, Lynn beats up. Dr. J's like a couple of times. He gets in <laughs> it like punches. She she gets those licks in. I want to talk into Anissa's character arc because what she's done, she has sort of gone full vigilante, stole stolen a bunch of drug money and given it to uh, the pastor of. Uh, the church reverend holt to sort of build up this health clinic and she starts working for the health clinic as well but in the midst of doing that she discovers sort of uh, on the outskirts of freeland uh this group of like white supremacists led by this woman looker uh who is absolutely terrifying and and anissa has to go take her down with black lightning but that whole scene was very intense like what are what were your thoughts about looker
0: I, it was very intense. So I'll say this. Season two tried to introduce another like subplot, I guess you would call it, of, as Ben said, this white supremacist group versus also this all black group. It it felt very knots and crosses. Uh, if you haven't listened to those episodes, go back and listen. But so these two groups were called the Purdy and the Sanjay. The Sanjay are the the black people. And the party are the white people?
1: No, the Sanjay are the group of white people who are being controlled by Looker. They have no autonomy on their own. And they used to be, think of like the heroin um, epidemic or the crack epidemic and sort of poor white neighborhoods. I think that's what they were going for. And so they found liberation through Looker, who has this thing called the element, which is thinking of, of like a silver goo that she uses to control people
0: yeah like goes in through your pores and controls you but I I appreciated those parts of the season but it felt so disconnected I'm sure it's you know we're all in season two and there are four seasons so but it just felt so disconnected from everything else that was going on that those parts were a little bit hard to keep up with because it's like we were already dealing with so many characters in Freeland and then South Freeland is its own even more heightened dystopia. So I don't know that when we're talking about this season could have been 10 episodes instead of 16. That's the storyline for me that could have waited to next season.
1: Fair enough. And in this chapter or in, sorry, in this book, the book of blood, we're also learning that Jennifer is starting to be homeschooled. And she Mm. does not like it. A fate worse than death. Oh, she is is not having it. (laughs) And she's feeling super trapped and controlled. So she reaches out to Painkiller and her and Painkiller start to develop a relationship together. And Painkiller is feeling really trapped by Tobias Whale because Tobias Whale, who at this time has been set free... He's been exonerated, and so he's now back in Freeland, and he's starting to buy up all this property. He can't get Reverend Holt's clinic, so he hires Painkiller to go kill Reverend Holt. Painkiller's like, nah, man. So Painkiller and Jennifer decide to run away at the end of this book. I don't know. Did you believe that, like, Jennifer would run away? Is homeschooling that bad? Like, Yes. Uh, <laughs> like, it doesn't... Oh, Jennifer, this is where I... First of all, Jennifer is an amazing character, but she is sort of this spoiled, rich brat. Yes. And I think we have to, like, understand that. And the fact that she's like, I'm homeschooled. Like, how can she not understand that her powers can actually kill a bunch of people? Like, I, I don't know. It didn't make it sense. Ben.
0: <laughs>
1: sweet, sweet Ben.
0: So, one, rich people want to run away all the time. Right. T- two... I think in the age of Gen Z where everything is on your phone and the the FOMO of seeing everyone from your school hanging out, having parties, being regular te- regular air quote teenagers and you are stuck and trapped at home, I think homeschooling is is hard but especially if you've been not homeschooled and then forced into being homeschooled, you know, a kind to all of the kids right now. Like the pandemic was really hard for kids, especially if you saw yourself especially for teenagers who saw themselves going to prom, saw themselves daily interacting with their friends and now you got your phone in your hand and you're watching like crap. Like, I don't have the same life that I have anymore, and that took a mental toll on lots of kids, and I'm sure lots of kids ran off with their friends. Lots of kids still had house parties this year, so it felt very, very authentic to me that Jennifer would run off with Khalil.
1: Did you ever run away as a kid? You ever pack your bags and be like, peace out, yo?
0: I have tried to go, like, away and in an angry angry disappearance, but I was never... You know, which I, which I ran to my grandma's house, but I was never there for more than 24 hours.
1: That's pretty far, though. How old were you?
0: Uh, maybe like 16, 17.
1: Oh, did you drive? Or yeah, did you, I drove uh... over
0: there. Yeah. Oh, you. Oh, I'm not a real runaway? unless I. Yeah,
1: you're not a real runaway until you run away. You, running, you can't, they don't well, call it a drive-away. They well, call Jennifer, it runaway.
0: Jennifer got in Khalil's car and ran off. Like, that's what happened. She didn't walk to his house. Well, he picked her up to his
1: train. He he lives in like this abandoned train car, which is is super sad.
0: He's still made into a very like homey spot. Did you ever run away?
1: Oh yeah, oh for sure. And and I was homeschooled, so I sort of just right.
0: So how's it that impossible when you?
1: Well, my 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 family wasn't like super wealthy, and I didn't have like superpowers. So I think it's there's no excuse for Jennifer. She should have known better.
0: I think that when i think about people that run away i think about rich kids in the suburbs if i'm being honest like i know very few lower income people that ran away they're like ran away where everybody in the neighborhood knows me like everybody in this section i don't know maybe i'm tripping
1: Next book, The Book of Rebellion. This is where Tobias really comes into play. So he's pissed off that Khalil has run away. And he's hired his old bae, the fabulous Cutter, this poison knife-wielding assassin with low telekinesis capability to find Khalil. And Cutter was just phenomenal. I mean, I think you were just in love with Cutter.
0: Yeah, if I could play any character on the show, it would be Cutter, for sure.
1: She has this level of badassery, but also later in the in the season we discover that is not a sociopath like Tobias Whale. And as this is going on, like Tobias Whale is sort of knee deep and reading like war books. And all he cares about is his own sort of philosophy himself. And it's actually just really disturbing how he can invite this Old Bay back and just completely use her and mistreat her and tell her take out the trash and oh it's awful. Yes,
0: can I? <laughs> this is random and funny, but you know how Old Bay is like a crab boil seasoning. So mm-hmm. every time you say Old Bay, I'm like, why is he talking about seasoning? I'm like, oh, I see, like an X Bay.
1: Well, Cutter is the seasoning for Tobias because right. Tobias is sort of this and one. He is note. a whale. He is he, seafood. He is seafood. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but let me say this about her. It's so interesting. So two things. It's sad because even a woman who is a silent assassin can fall for foot shit. Like that, that, that really felt sad and a little disjointed. I was like, damn, now she falling for his games. But it's like, that makes sense. Two, can we talk? really briefly like 30 seconds or less about how Tobias has so many freaking hobbies he's actually a pretty real like he's a pretty well-rounded villain like he likes to read he enjoys playing pool he really enjoys jazz he's into some fine whiskeys he has a nice fish collection like he's kind of a, a socialite a little
1: bit yeah I think for people who don't like other people or only see people as a means to an end the thing that you find value then can't be people because you don't see people as any value. So you look on to sort of different um, hobbies. You look at hobbies as the things that giving, that give you value, which yeah. I thought was super and checks out for him.
0: But, the, but that, what, what doesn't check out then is his relationship that was so close with his sister. Like he's treasured his sister. It's like one of the few people that we see him show compassion to, but We can't say completely that he's a sociopath when he has his sort of own relationship with her.
1: Yeah, I guess it's not because he is really pissed because at the beginning of the season, Cyanide gets killed off like almost immediately. And he loves Cyanide, even though she might have like three speaking lines for (laughs) all of season one. He loved her. And so he blames Khalil for that as well. And so he's constantly moping about how cyanide has been killed, and how black lightning has taken everything. So that is interesting how he can treat Cutter terribly, but then also actually have a very close connection with his sister Tori, who he has this, imagine this Queen Victoria painting of her that he talks through throughout the season. And we start to see that in this book. So he's hired Cutter. He's also hired this brilliant programmer, Todd, who's this blurred who is this? Who's this brilliant programmer who's been passed over uh, for promotions and has created programs that have been, you know, stolen from him? And so Todd sort of has a vendetta. So he hires Cutter. He hires Todd, and he essentially captures Khalil by the end of this episode. And Jennifer returns by by the end of these uh, chapters. And Jennifer returns to her family. And once he captures Khalil. To punish him, he rips out Khalil's spine Ooh. that has been giving him this powers. That was the moment in this season where I just sat up. I'm like, can they do that on sort of the CW? <laughs> I was like, that's some Game of Thrones shit right there.
0: That's... I, I I couldn't have said it better. Yeah, the sit up in your seat moment. I think anybody who watched that, we all sat up because we all felt the spine, our spinal cords being ripped like lumbar seven through cervix thoracic all the parts of the spine we were like oh my gosh this is the most gory part I've ever seen and and you just felt like the the actor that played Khalil is so good because you felt the anguish and the sweat and the spit of his spine being just pulled from his exoskeleton oh it was a lot yeah that was a, a, a nice close to the book of rebellion
1: so going on to the book of Secrets, Khalil. Surprisingly, doesn't survive his spine being ripped out, and he dies. And Jen actually begins to grieve like pretty, pretty terribly. Like she is just because you get the sense that Jennifer and Khalil were madly in love with each other, and actually you know believed their relationship because throughout it you're like oh ben you've never been in love in high school i was like yeah i haven't been but you were telling me like things that you'd say to your high school boyfriend i was like we were
0: so in love like every other day we were like we should just ride out and get out of here and just run away and be together because the world's against us like that's how you (laughs) feel in high school i'm sorry and it will be for no, no real reason it's just like My dad's like, come home on time. You know, I don't have to listen to him. We could be out of here tomorrow. (sighs) Like, everything is like that. So, yeah, I felt that high school love. You know, I actually, I don't think I've ever told you this, but when I was in sixth grade, I went to a summer camp, right? And there was this, like, camp at UGA, and I always loved going there because they had, like, some cute boys from Green County at this camp. And so... These are, you know, you have like a little summer camp love. So I fell in love with this guy. His name was Cam Cameron. And, um, everything he did, he was like really well-spoken and he had all this swag and he just had, had really cool braces. And then the next summer I saw him, so it was sixth grade, then seventh grade, I saw him, you know, his braces were off. He's looking like a Mac daddy, beautiful guy, um, I re- there's this, like, poem that he recited called, like, 60 Seconds. It's like, I only have a minute, only 60 seconds in it. I, I can't remember the whole thing. But he would recite this poem. I think we had, like, a, a talent show or something at the end of the camp, and he recited that poem in se- seventh grade. So halfway through, you know, so it's not the eighth grade year yet, right? Halfway through the seventh grade year, they sent an email to all of the camp kids to say that Cam had died in a car accident. And that was my first time being like, because I was like, we liked each other. And then I saw him in seventh grade. And it's like, I I couldn't wait for the summer to come because at Camp Aspire, I was going to see Cam. And he passed away in this tragic car accident. And I grieved for like two or three weeks. And mind you, this was a guy I barely knew. I only knew him one to two weeks out of every summer. But I just got so excited every year thinking about camp coming around and my mom was like sh- she she took it so seriously, you know, cuz at that age I really had never like lost someone, but if you think about it, we weren't we weren't that close. We we only saw each other for a few hours a year, and it felt so traumatic, you know? So, I totally related to jennifer going through what she did with khalil because they probably only dated like eight months but you're you're in love and you this person's like the reason that you're excited to go to camp and go to school and so i i just remembered that and it's it's hard when you lose a loved like you a, a love interest at a young age
1: well on that note People who die in this series don't stay dead for long. So, surprise, surprise, Gambi, <laughs> Great
0: segue, big. Gambi. segue.
1: Gambi is actually not dead. Yep. He was able to escape. And the people who tried to kill him is this whole other group called the Markovians. So, now we have a new set of villains. So, we had... The 100, Tobias Whale, and we got our new group, the Markovians.
0: Did you believe Gamby was dead?
1: I was hoping so because <laughs> he was getting on my nerves.
0: Why? Well,
1: because Gambi is, is always like, "And then you've got to do this thing. No, 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 Jefferson. No. So he's breathy? Je- he's an intense uh, actor? I need some people to die. I think post Game of Thrones, I'm used to high turnover rate. Also working in Chicago public schools, I'm used to high turnover rate. Wow. So I need people to move along, you know? Yeah.
0: There have to be stakes. I hear that. Can you explain to people who Gamby is um, if they haven't listened to our last episode 22? Would you totally should?
1: Uh, Gamby used to be uh, this rogue ASA agent and was part of introducing this vaccination that gave metahuman capabilities to the children of Freeland. He feels bad for it. He decides to raise Black Lightning, a.k.a. Jefferson Pierce, so he's sort of the uncle slash, you know, grandfather of the Pierce family. And he sort of stands as the backup and also the nerd who helps out all the family get their suits ready. And so... The Alfred. That, he's the Alfred. He's the Alfred for sure. But he also is a little bit more involved in the missions where Alfred sort of stays at the mansion. Gambi will go out and you know, snipe people and beat Legit. them up. He has he, no like
0: I will not kill, I will take the higher road code. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, he he's a he's a real G. Uh
0: <laughs> yeah, Gamby.
1: Yeah, real G for Gamby. <laughs> Gamby so the gangster. Here so we're introduced like the Markovians where we're not really given much about them, but apparently they had sort of forced Doctor Jace to work for them. Doctor Jace was able to escape interesting things to know in this is that once todd the nerd the blurred runs out of his use tobias just kills him and i was really disappointed in that i really liked todd he is sort of i feel like he had a lot of potential yeah his potential was, was gone
0: he's like a youth so we had just so much hope in him and we we don't really get to see like a young black scientist who just is excited by the challenge of figuring out how to tap into a secret government organization, like black hackers. I want to see more of that. I I wish Todd had a spinoff. And so, these kids are smart as fuck.
1: Yeah. Well, Tobias and Cutter, they've been able to go and capture these metahumans called the Masters of Disaster, which was this failed ASA <laughs> program. And they're like really goofy sort of thug villains type of thing who can, you know, shoot fire and ice and very standard hero type of things. But this is where we really start to see Tobias, Whale, and Cutter start to like make out and get comfy with each other <laughs> and get all cutesy and stuff. It's which. Funny.
0: It's funny because they made out and everybody was like, "Uh, uh, what? (laughs) It was very comical because that is how we all react when we see people just like making out in the street. How do you feel about PDA, Ben? Do you like PDA in your villains? Were they giving you the Joker, Harlequin vibes?
1: Yeah, that's sort of, I think, what they were going for. And this is DC, so it makes sense that they would build that. Except Harlequin is way more reliant on the Joker than Cutter is on Tobias. And at one point in the next book, the book of the apocalypse, this is where Cutter decides to leave Tobias and they get into this huge fight. It's actually really intense because Cutter sort of talks back at Tobias and Tobias just grabs her neck and starts choking her. I felt like they equalized it when she does this really amazing backflip kick and knocks him out and she's about to slit his throat and he's like, well, are you going to cut me? And I was like, motherfucker, you just choked her. Right. Yes, I hope she cuts you.
0: And also, in a couple books back, we saw... Anissa sought revenge on a gang member who had assaulted his girlfriend. Anissa treated her at the medical clinic and then she didn't rat her boyfriend out or whatever. But Anissa as Blackbird, that Robin Hood vigilante, showed up on his step and started beating him up. And was like, I heard you like to beat up women, which was so I was like, Anissa, now he's going to know that, you know, you were sent by her or or he's going to think you're going to get this girl killed. For thinking that she snitched on him. Whereas she could have just like beat them
1: up and kept going. You remember that? You know, and I totally forgot that scene. Because it's amazing right after that when she leaves. They do this whole old boy fight scene. Yeah. Which was killer. If you haven't seen Old Boy... Go ahead and see it. One of the best. Not the fight American scenes. remake.
0: The 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 regular old boy. The Korean film. So good. I've seen it a few times now, and it was a nice nod to that kung fu scene.
1: Oh, it's so good. But yeah, you're right. I I didn't even I didn't realize that. All right. So now we get into the last and final book, where. One of my all-time favorite characters from season one, who I thought was dead, Lala comes back. He's raised from the dead by Lazarus Prime, who was the love interest of Lady Eve, and Lala comes back to sort of wreak havoc and get his revenge on Tobias. And what happens in this last, this last sort of two episodes is that Tobias wants to take over Freeland, so. He sends the 100 and the pod kids and the Masters of Disaster to sort of just destroy everything in Freeland. But Black Lightning and Thunder come to the rescue and they stop the Masters of Disaster. Jennifer comes in. She's about to enact her revenge on Tobias. And this is the whole, like, give in to your anger or, you know, use the force, Luke. Like, which one do you use? And thank God, Jennifer makes the right decision and just beats the shit out of Tobias instead of killing him. Originally, she wanted to kill him, but she beats him up. Tobias is put into the pit. And lo and behold, Tobias is away and starts with season three going to be this big war showdown between the Markovians and the Black Lightning family. Which, by the way, (laughs) when... The the superhero names of everybody now is Black Lightning, is Jefferson Pierce, Anissa is Thunder, and then Jennifer calls herself Lightning. I don't know if you caught that when she breaks in. She's like, I'm Lightning. So we have Black Lightning and Lightning. I wish they just thought of a different Me name too. Because
0: yeah. it just implies that she's not White Lightning, but
1: I don't know. It's strange. Something that also annoyed me, we find out that Khalil Payne is not dead because people don't die on network television. <laughs> turns out yes, he's he's being held by Agent Odell in one of the pods, and that's where this season ends.
0: So that's a recap of all five books, but something that kind of doesn't make sense to me, I wouldn't call it a sigh, but i just like to hear your opinion about it. So Lazarus Prime, he's sort of a wizard and he gets, like, roadkill animal parts and can recraft them into human beings and essentially bring people back to life. That's what Lazarus happened to him. So why wouldn't he, if Lady Eve was the love of his life, why wouldn't he bring her back to life?
1: Oh, I don't... There's there's probably a comic book reason for that. That's a great question.
0: Right, I, I know she was, like, really, like, burnt to a crisp, so maybe he has to still have some part of her body and she's locked away at the morgue, but if your whole vibe is reawakening people maybe he didn't want her to be a slave because there is an element of people who are brought back to life are have some sort of safety word that makes them enslaved to whoever says that word so maybe he didn't want that to happen to her maybe or does Lazarus Prime work for Tobias because he definitely sent Lala in there to get Tobias but he was still
1: under some sort of curse yeah I think Tobias was well Tobias says like you you were brought back by Lazarus Prime, but I put something inside you before your your physical body so I can control you. There are a there are a lot of like mad scientist type themes here and I get so frustrated with mad scientist themes because it gives the implication that scientists are evil people and that just isn't true. The scientists I know all they fucking care about is science, right? They're the ones who are just going to be hanging out in a basement, not really doing anything, not going out and wreaking havoc. They just want to study science. People are
0: afraid of science, though.
1: I know. And I think when you create TV shows and you put mad scientists in there, we're like, we're going to experiment on children or we're going to, you know, give people vaccinations that are poisonous, right? It taps into a social anxiety of vaccination. It taps into this idea that scientists are only looking out for themselves and only care about research and that simply is not true and we get a lot of mad scientist type vibes I mean Dr. Helga Jace for all I like about her is pretty awful but there there are some things that you're like yeah Dr. Helga Jace is great
0: I mean I agree with you about how those portrayals seep and find their ways into people's psyche but I don't know. There's something I really love about when a character is bad and they turn that throttle all the way up. It's just like, oh yeah, she is insidious. Like, like I sort of hate when I'm on the fence about certain characters. Maybe that's because they're evolving and developing, which is great. But I love either hating or completely stanning a character. And so we hated Dr. Jace. But she had she delivered some of the the meanest craziest lines on the show so I was a fan of that it's, it's the same thing with Tobias Whale I, I hate Tobias Whale which is why he's so good because he has all these like hobbies and he's a sociopath and he's super powerful and he he just plays that character really well
1: also agent Odell sort of taps into this mad scientist type of thing where for sure. he's like oh the pod kids are only good for becoming weapons you know Ugh, you, you don't like treat yeah like a dog a dog, you don't let a dog sleep in the bed with you. You don't dress up the dog because then the dog thinks it's equal to you. No, a dog is a useful tool, and so are these children who were given this vaccination. Oof. And that, that's so hard to hear. I mean, that actually felt more believable to mm-hmm. me because he he's part of the asa which is this government organization think fbi whose main goal is to create weapons and get intel where dr jace and lazarus prime are scientists and that just annoyed me that their whole science is for selfish reasons and i'm sure that like obviously there are scientists out there but the fact that there's a mad scientist theme sort of irks me so let's Go ahead, jump into the size. God is a big part of this season. Jefferson Pierce believes in God. He says that, you know, these are God-given gifts to him. And that just means... And
0: burdens, he said, too.
1: And burdens. And then also Reverend Holt is a big part in this.
0: Well, he's the reverend. You
1: can't really use him as the... Yeah, but here's the thing. When religious organizations create health clinics, which is a big plot point of this, what that does is that it can actually allow these health clinics to not always provide services to groups of people that don't fit into their religious understandings um for example whether it's be like catholic hospitals you know not denying abortions which there's sort of the laws are sort of like fuzzy on that because there's a separation of church and state but if you're the only health clinic in the area and the only health clinic is a religious affiliation you might not be carrying hormones for trans people, you might, we might not be carrying all the materials to provide a, you know, a safe abortion. And therefore, you're not saying I'm not going to give you these hormones, I'm not going to give you this, this abortion, but you're saying we don't have the funds, or we don't have the resources to provide that service. And that's what you get when health clinics are run by religious organizations. And it sort of brought up some of that, like frustration. I mean, obviously, it's network television, and God is a buzzword for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I agree. Especially with these like black smaller communities and neighborhoods. I'm going to go back to your side uh, for me of, you know, this is a pet peeve of mine. When people die, they need to stay dead. Like, I, I, I hate when people are constantly brought back to life. Like, I don't enjoy killing, obviously. But if you're going to kill someone, if you're going to tell me you did a thing, do the thing. That's... That's my big, like, Black Lightning It's already 101 characters in this series with 102 episodes. So if you kill a character, keep them dead. That's all I ask.
1: The other thing I want to talk about is sort of the end. Jefferson Pierce tries to sit down to everybody and be like, here are our rules. We don't tell anybody, which they immediately break. Always have backup because, you know, they've been doing things. That's fine. And then don't kill anybody. And again, like...
0: Yeah, you said it's the last time.
1: I know. It's just that, yeah. Yeah, but it's a specific... Now he's sitting down. They're having their family dinner. This is a specific type of thing. And it just annoyed me that you're going to make this rule, don't kill anybody, but not really address the fact that you are breaking bones and you torture people. They He straight up tortures yeah. people in here. I'm like... This is the CW. You can't <sighs> preach kill people, though. you can fuck
0: their shit up but you can't kill them
1: but when (laughs) Gambi, when gamby goes to uh with jennifer to sort of uh bring the power back on freeland he just snipes people in the face with his silencer
0: let me ask you this because i just like playing devil's advocate if we were to have a kid and their favorite show was black lightning and they loved black lightning would you want Black Lightning to be a killer then? Because if they aspire to be Black Lightning.
1: I think this show doesn't really know what it wants to be in the sense that is it a kid show or is it a show for a developing young adult who's starting to learn that there is not this black and white. Got it. And that we're in this show it sort of makes it very black and white, that black is the good, so Black Lightning is good, and the white is the bad, which is, you know, Tobias Wells So just... You know, the, that flip-flop there. They're doing a lot of cool stuff with the show. I'm not going to deny that. But I, I don't think they sort of analyze Black Lightning's flaws as well as they could. I mean, in some ways, they really do. Like, when Dr. Lynn, when Jennifer, like, leaves at one time, you were just struck by Dr. Lynn, who is supposed to be this grounding scientist. Like, what did, what did she do when Jennifer leaves?
0: She just tore her room up from, like, wall to wall. Yeah, I mean, which is great. Like, Dr. Lynn is a really strong character, but I'm just saying, back to my question, would you want our kid to watch, the, like, if our kid were watching this show, would you want him to have a no-kill rule, or would you want our kid to know, like, sometimes superheroes kill motherfuckers, like, and that's how,
1: and that's fine, because it depends on the circumstance. What? Mm, that's a great question, Amber. I don't know the age <laughs> of the our child, this hypothetical child. Yeah. Are they old enough to run away from home, because we're homeschooling them? Ugh. That was a joke.
0: Well, we, that, that's a sigh. (laughs) That's a a relationship sigh because I been, I can't like, especially after this year of learning from home, like homeschooling has never felt this unattractive.
1: All right. Final sigh. Final one, baby. Grace Choi is amazing. I think the relationship she has with Anissa is absolutely beautiful. And it, Grace Choi is a metahuman. She is a shapeshifter. I loved, loved, loved that. But they just did not give her enough time. Like, why do why do we go into this whole looker plotline? Like, I would have much rather Grace Choi Same. seeing the plotline of Grace Choi because they sort of delve a little bit into her background and that she like grew up through an adoption agency and. She's keeping this secret hidden, but she also needs to like consume rotting flesh, I guess, to be a shapeshifter. I'm looking forward to see her more in season three, but she was wasted in season two.
0: Yeah. And... I mean, I'm at least glad, if, if you haven't seen it, yeah, Grace Choi is Anissa's love interest. She's an Asian girl. She clearly has powers as well. She's a shapeshifter. I anissa actually had another girlfriend at the beginning of season two that she only had for like an episode or two ben was like well yeah that girl is an upload so she probably had to do another show so they probably had to write her out of the show but grace thankfully grace sort of became anissa's like rebound again and they reconnected so grace could be there for a couple of episodes and now she has like an even stronger part so i'm just glad at least they brought her back but yeah you know she deserved better and more as a character and ben with that being said why don't you warp up the show
1: in conclusion go back watch season two of black lightning it asks some real questions about death messy love and vigilante justice we're really looking forward to watch season three and finish off with season four.
0: Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Side by Side. Next week for episode 29, we will be reading a book, y'all. We're reading Walter Mosley's Future Land. And I already started it, and trust me, you do not want to miss out on this book. So please be sure to pick up your copy of Future Land or listen to it on Audible. And we will see y'all next week for the show. Bye, y'all.